great job. Good morning, church. Wow, what a great worship time. I'm just so thankful for this morning. I'm so excited to be here. You know, I've been in Moldova for 12 days, and uh, Moldova is the smallest, poorest country in the former Soviet Union, and we started going there as a church uh, uh, in 2003 when we first started as a church, and so it's something that's dear and dear to our hearts, and we love being there, and uh, I had just an incredible time there. I'm so thankful for your investment. I was excited this year because my wife, Lisa, got to go for the first time, and it's been great. You know, when uh, she's always heard the stories and seen the pictures, and now she got to be there because we started having kids and different seasons of life when you can go and when you can't go and when you can pray. And, and so she's been praying all this time, and she was there in Rissa Penn with our first team from church uh, three weeks ago, and then we had a pastor's conference, and then I was there with our second team. And I mean, it's just amazing, guys what God's doing. It's only Him. And it's so exciting. And I'll tell you more about that uh, later on in the service. But just praise be to Him. Praise be to Him. And thank you. Because your prayers and sponsoring and going and giving, you guys, it's unbelievable. I mean, you're changing a country by the grace of God. And we get to be a part of that and have a front row seat to God's greater story in all of this. So that's exciting. Um, we are in a great series called Abraham, the Genesis of Faith. And I love this series. I love this summer as we're just digging into God's Word in Genesis. And we're seeing Abraham that God called out of the Ur of the Chaldeans. This guy was living in a land. It was pagan worship, idol worship. And God said, hey, come with me. Leave your people, your father's household, your country, and go to a land I will show you. And Abram listened to God. He heard from God, and he left, and he began this journey of a thousand miles. And when he came into Canaan, he built an altar, and he worshiped because he realized it wasn't about the destination. He realized it was about the relationship. And he could have stayed over in Ur of Chaldeans and made it about religion and all the things that he did, but he made it about following God and having a relationship with him. And that's why it's the genesis of faith, because the calling for you and me is to follow Christ in faith. And our faith never stops growing and learning to trust God and learning to follow him and holding on to him. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't change? You know, our world changes, right? I mean, there's changes all the time. And you're looking at the news, everything's changing. Our, our world, everything around us is changing. Uh, our daughter, Mabry, she's 10. She's our middle one. And every time our girls turn 10, when uh, they do, we have three kids. And, and my, my wife, Lisa, takes them on a 10-year-old trip. And so she took Grace, our oldest one, and she took her. And she went away for a couple days. And they have the talk, right? You know? And so since I have all girls, I'm like, Lisa... Go get it, you know, <laughs> have to talk about that. And so, but they have a blast and they love it. And Grace had so much fun when she went. And so Mabry turned 10 in August and she couldn't wait to go and just be with my wife for a couple of days. Now I take them when they're 12 and we'll go away for a couple of days and I get to just pour to them and tell them how much I love them and, and hope that they know that they have a dad who loves them. So they don't have to go looking for love in somebody else. They can know that they always have a God who loves them and a dad who loves them. But Mabry was 10 and she hadn't gone on her trip yet. And we were trying to figure out the right timing and saving up our Southwest points. And, and so finally we had it all planned out and we didn't tell her. And so one morning, you know, just a couple weeks ago that Lisa comes in the room and it's like 4.30 in the morning because they had a flight that was at 6. And, and, and so we went in and she woke her up and she goes, Mabry, it's your day. It's your day with mommy. We're going on our trip. And she just bounces out of bed. She's like, woohoo! 
and she's so excited and she's jumping around. She's like, I've been waiting for this day. And she was jumping up and I had the video, you know, and I was videoing her and she was just so excited about it. And we got in the car, we're driving to the airport and, and she's in the back seat, you know, and she's just smiling, laughing and she's talking about what they're going to do. And then I hear her get really quiet. And then she goes, I'm going to learn about puberty. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you are. (laughs) But you know, I mean, the funny part is, I mean, everything changes, right? I mean, your body changes. Even as you get older, your body changes, right? Jobs change. Relationships change. The world changes. Countries change. Leaders change. Everything changes. But aren't you thankful that our God never changes? Aren't you thankful in a world of change that we have a God who is sovereign and a God who is in control? And the only thing constant in this world is Him. And our faith and our trust is not in somebody else. Our faith and our trust is not in the things that we do. Our faith and our trust is in a God who never changes. And God will accomplish his will. God will accomplish his plans. And we can trust him and we can know him that in a world that loves conditionally, we have a God who loves unconditionally. And we have a God of redemption and a God of grace. And boy, that gives us faith and encouragement today. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, maybe it's a high, maybe it's a low. Listen, you've got a God who is with you and a God who is for you. And he was saying, you hold on to me and you trust me because I will never, ever change. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open back with me to Genesis chapter 18. And we're going to see this guy, Abraham, as his journey continues. Last week, Pastor Nick did a great job in Genesis 17 and talking about this covenant relationship that God invited Abraham into in Genesis chapter 12 when he told him to leave his country, his people, and his father's household to go to a land that God would show him. He reiterated that covenant and then he gave him that outward expression, circumcision, which in the Old Testament is that outward expression of your faith in God for his people. And today, through Christ, our outward expression is baptism. And so if you've accepted Christ at some point in your life, God's calling you to make that public. It's baptism. It's a celebration. It's God, you are my priority. You are my life. And in Genesis 17, God changes Abram's name to Abraham and Sarah's name to Sarah to indicate this new relationship that they are following and they're committed to him. So pick up here in Genesis chapter 18 as we continue our study of digging into God's word today. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, While he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance to his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. Now, I want you to see this. It's God who took the initiative, right? It's God who came to Abraham, and it's God who comes to you. The Lord comes to you. See, the Lord will reveal his plans for you. And it's not like, hey, we got to try to to figure out, God's going to come, God's going to speak, God's going to reveal if you and I are open and ready to receive him. And so here comes these three guys and they appear. Now, if you notice, it says the Lord, right? In the Hebrew, Yahweh. Now, now we know the God of all creation, Father God, Sovereign God. In the Old Testament, you don't look on the Lord and live, okay? Right? I mean, Moses or Elijah, you look at the backside. But here we see the pre-incarnate Jesus. You see Jesus in the Old Testament. It's not like you get to the New Testament and all of a sudden Jesus kind of shows up on the scene and says, hello, let me introduce myself. Jesus has been around from the very beginning. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so you see Jesus in the Old Testament. You see Jesus standing in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Right? You see Jesus there, and you see Jesus throughout. So Jesus shows up, and it's probably Michael and Gabriel, the two angels with him. But now look at this. Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, he tells us the Lord appeared to Abraham, but Abraham didn't know it was the Lord. Abraham's just kind of in the heat of the day, and he looks up, and these three guys are coming along. And notice how Abraham responds. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried to the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sheaves of fine flour and knead it to bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and he set it before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. That God comes to Abraham and Abraham was ready to receive. Abraham was ready to receive the Lord. He sees these three guys and all he does is he turns and he's like, how can I serve you? How can I help you? Now, Abraham is about 100 years old by Genesis 18, right? He entered at 75 in Genesis chapter 12, and he's been holding on to this promise that God was going to make him into a great nation. He's holding on to this promise that God was giving him a son through Sarah, and he held on to it. Now he's 100 years old, and he looks and he sees these three guys, and notice some of these words, right? He ran, I don't know what that means when you're 100 years old, you know, but I mean, somehow he got there quickly and he ran and he gets a calf. He hurried. He went out to serve. See, Abraham is known for his hospitality. And if you move into the New Testament, it tells us to practice hospitality. Hospitality is something that we ought to be, as believers, living out in our everyday life. And, and Abraham shows us this. He demonstrates this, the power of hospitality. You, you know, for all of us, we have this calling. And I believe that Christ followers ought to be the most hospitable, most generous people around. We ought to be the ones that we see a need and we're like, how can I meet that? You know, Abraham was wealthy. And it wasn't like he goes, well, let me outsource this. Let me, some of your servants come over here, take care of this. You know, Abraham himself got involved. And we never stop serving we never stop giving. We never stop looking to how we can make a difference. In the summer, a lot of people move. This is a great time for us to step in into our neighborhoods, into our apartment complexes. This is a great time for us to welcome people. It's such a temptation, you know, to pull into our garage, hit the button, let the garage door come down, and just go, hey, we got our little cocoon here. This is us. But instead, for us to be the hands and feet of Christ, for us to welcome new people at work, for us to welcome new people in our neighborhood, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it, it says this. It, it says, do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. You, you know what that comes back to? That comes back to this story right here. That, that comes all the way back to Genesis chapter 18. That some have entertained angels. And you and I, we have this opportunity to be generous. You and I have this opportunity to be hospitable. You may have a big home. And you could say, hey, I want to open it up. I want to have a community group that meets at our house. I want to have a Bible study at our house. You can invite your neighbors over for a cookout. You could be, you know, a person who goes to a restaurant and we pray before the meal 
but then we're generous and we tip well at the meal. You know, it's that opportunity for us to know that everything we have comes from God and for us to simply be a vessel of being used. Abraham got that, you know, he lived that. And so then God reveals his plans for him. And he's sitting there, they're eating a meal and they say, where is Sarah, your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now you gotta imagine, I mean, he's sitting there listening going, I'm 100 and she's 90. I mean, you know, like, but the Lord reveals his plans. And he says, listen, you're gonna have a son. You're, now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out, and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? What do you do when God reveals his plans? When God reveals his plans for you, how do you respond? What do you do? Do you laugh? <laughs> Sarah laughed, right? No way, God, you can't do that. And I think many times in our lives, we're tempted to laugh. <laughs> God, you can't do that in my family. You, you can't bring redemption. You can't bring healing. God, God, you can't do that in my community. God, you can't do that in my kid's school. God, you, you can't. And God's going, no, I want to use you. Like, God, you, look, you can't use me. I, I, I mean, you know, like Sarah, who's 90, and we think, I, I can't teach. I can't talk. I don't, I, I'm not good with people. We come up with every excuse. But when God reveals his plans, do you laugh or do you believe? When God reveals his plans, do you laugh or do you believe? Do you say, okay, God, I have no idea how this is gonna happen, but, but here I am. Here I am, use me. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? And I love this verse 14. If you underline your Bible, underline this verse, because it's awesome right here. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Think about that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Maybe you're facing something today and you, it just seems overwhelming. It, I want to speak this verse to you. Is anything too hard for the Lord? It says in Luke, right? As the angel appeared to Mary, it said, for nothing is impossible with God. Remember that. Hold on to that. Live that. I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, oh, yes, you did. Jesus calls her out. I mean, like, bam. Oh, yeah, you did. I am Jesus. I know. You know, I am the Lord, right? I mean, he just calls her out right there. Well, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on earth will be blessed through him. Now, now, now this came true, right? I mean, Abraham was the father of three major world religions. I mean, Abraham is the one who all people on the earth have been impacted through him. God fulfills his promises. God is faithful to you. God is going to be faithful to you. So God says, listen, for I have chosen him. And just like God chose Abraham, God chose you. 
Just like God came to Abraham, God comes to you. And maybe this morning, wherever you are, you didn't come this morning, you were thinking about a lot of other things, you kind of came in, your mind somewhere else. God has come here, and God wants to speak to you. God has chosen you, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. And what's he talking about? Well, in Genesis chapter 3, when man sinned, right, and broke that relationship with God, God didn't give up on man. God set into motion a plan to redeem mankind, and God called this guy Abraham and said, Abraham, from you, I am ultimately going to bring the Messiah. I'm going to carve out a people for myself. I'm going to reveal my truth. I'm going to reveal my character. I'm going to reveal who I am. And Jesus will come from this line. And for you and I, God chose you to be the father or the mother of your children. God chose you to be the grandparents of your children. God chose you to be an aunt or an uncle. God chose you and put you where you are in your workplace. God chose you and wherever you are today, that you and I begin to understand that God has a plan that he is accomplishing through us. And our call is to be faithful to him. And this is the genesis of that faith relationship with God. That we don't quit, we don't back down, we don't walk away, we don't go back to the old life, right, and say it's about religion and what I need to do and I hope my good outweighs my bad somehow. It's us holding on to God every day and every moment. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. So Sodom and Gomorrah, and the wicked, wicked place, right? I mean, we know, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah is known for that throughout Scripture. And if you remember, who lives in Sodom and Gomorrah now? Lot, Abraham's nephew. Remember when they picked the land and Lot said, well, hey, I'll go down there. It's beautiful land. And Abraham was like, eh, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go pretty far away from that. I don't want to be over there caught up in that. And Lot pitched his tent outside of Sodom and Gomorrah. And now Lot's kind of moved into Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Abraham's already had to rescue him once. And so God says, hey, Sodom and Gomorrah, total depravity. <laughs> I mean, listen, they, they are like so far gone. I mean, they are just out there. They're doing this wicked stuff and judgment will come. I will deal with this. And so he reveals that to him. And the men turned and went away towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Notice that. Abraham remained standing before the Lord. It tells us in James, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And Abraham, man, he was like, I'm going to savor this moment. I'm not just going to back away. I'm going to stand right here in this moment. And I'm going to listen, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to hear. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare? And in the Hebrew, that word spare is forgive also. The place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge, capital J, of all the earth do right? 
So Abraham's like realizing, Lot, my nephew's there, his wife's there, his daughters are there. I'm realizing judgment's coming. And Abraham begins to intercede for his nephew. He begins to step in and say, God, your character is one of redemption and of grace. And God's going, yeah, but my character is also one of justice. <laughs> and so Abraham's like, well, what about 50 righteous people? How about 50 righteous people? And the Lord said, if, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare, that word again, forgive, right? The whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold, underline that word bold, put it in your head. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. <laughs> we can remember that, right? Sometimes we get real casual with God, but he is God. He is sovereign. He is Lord. What if the number of righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him and said, well, what if there are only 40 found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? And he answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? And he said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? <laughs> wow. He's like, I know it's a wicked place. I know they're far from you. I know they're doing a lot of bad things. I'm dropping down from 50, maybe 10, because I don't think there's even 10, but let me, maybe 10. And he answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And when the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. You know what I love about this is that the Lord invites us. The Lord allows us to join him in what he's doing. The, the Lord allows us, and Abraham just comes before God, and you could tell he was humble, but yet he was bold and saying, God, I want to intercede on behalf of my nephew. I want to intercede on, on my family. I want to come, and I want to pray before you. So does God change his mind? I don't know. God knows what he's going to do. God is sovereign. But God's heart is always redemption. God's heart is always grace. God is always drawing people to himself. And Abraham knows that about God. And so he just comes and intercedes. Let me ask you, do you intercede on behalf of your family? Do you pray for your children, your grandchildren, your spouse? Do you pray for your marriage? Do you, do you pray for your nieces and your nephews? Do you pray for your aunts and your uncles? Do you pray for your Grandparents, do you pray and intercede? God has given us this incredible privilege to come to the one who is sovereign and to come and to bring our requests before him. And I think so often we get busy doing a lot of other things that we forget to pray. But there is power in prayer and the invitation of prayer to come before the God who holds the whole world in his hands and say, God, listen, I, I'm gonna pray for me and we do that really well. We do that pretty often. But God, I also want to intercede on behalf of those that I love. I want to intercede on behalf of the people in my neighborhood or the people who go to my kids' school because they're growing up with them. I want to intercede on behalf of my nation. I want to intercede on behalf of what's happening in the world. God, I want to come before you and put it in your hands because you are in control. And Abraham realized that. I need you, God. And I'm going to pray for my nephew and for his family. 
You know, in this study, we've been looking in the Old Testament. We're looking at the parallels in the New Testament, right? We're going back and forth here. And whether it's Romans 4, whether it's Galatians and all looking at Abraham here. But I want you to see as Jesus taught us about prayer. And this fits so clearly right here. If you go to Luke chapter 18, right? From Genesis 18 to Luke 18. And it says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus always taught, you know, the power of story. Jesus taught with stories because there's that aha moment when people go, oh, I get it. Oh, okay, this makes sense. So he said this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And he said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find, what's that word? Faith. Will he find faith on the earth? Remember Abraham, the genesis of faith, and then Jesus teaches about this persistent widow. You you know, I think a lot of times we don't pray because we really don't believe. We really don't believe that God can heal our marriage. We really don't believe that our son or daughter can come back to the Lord. We really don't believe that God can use us for his plans. We really don't believe that God could do a miracle in my life or in the life of my family. And and so we hold back, right? Because we don't want to pray and put it out there and nothing happened. And we're just like, okay, that was awkward. You know, I mean, we don't want to do that. And so it's easy for us just to back away. And and God's going, no, 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 no. It's about faith, (laughs) It's about trust. It's about coming to me. I I believe this. I believe Abraham stopped short. Abraham went from 50 to 45 to 40, 35, 30. It's like an auction, right? He gets down, but he gets to 10, and then he backs away. What if he would have prayed for one righteous? God, what if there's one righteous? Now, why didn't he do that? Because I think he knew Lot... (laughs) It kind of moved in with Sodom and Gomorrah. But you know what's amazing is this. Because of one righteous, you and I have eternal life. Because of one righteous, God spared us. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of our total depravity, and if you go to Romans chapter five, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still living in our depravity, Christ died for us, for one. For you, he chose you. And it is the grace of God. But Abraham knew there wasn't anybody righteous. There wasn't anybody there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so these two angels, they go down there and we see that the Lord will accomplish his plans. And although it breaks his heart when people disobey, when people turn away, But these two angels go down there to find somebody who's righteous, to go down there to find somebody who's gonna be turning to the Lord, to find somebody who wants to repent, somebody who wants to turn back. And when they get into the city, you can read in Genesis chapter 19, the men of the city come out to abuse them. Bottom line, right? And Lot goes out and rescues these two angels. He brings them into the house. 
And then, I mean, it's just like crazyville right there that's happening, and they're trying to beat down the door, and Lot's offering his daughter this crazy, this is nuts. And finally, the angels go, enough of this. This is just total pride. This is out of control. Stop. Lot, you get your daughters. You get your wife. You get out. Leave. Run. Run away. And don't look back because God's bringing judgment. And I want to tell you, judgment will come. We don't, we don't like to talk about it, but at some point, right, I've read the end of the book. I mean, we all have. And we know at some point Jesus is going to step back into this world and he's going to say, enough. Uh, enough pain, enough suffering, and enough with sin. And a righteous, holy God who cannot be around sin, it, it will stop. And we can see it. And it tells us in Second Peter that God is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And God is drawing all of us to himself. But at some point, judgment will come. And we can look at the world today, and we start to kind of go, okay, I can see the trajectory of our world, right? I mean, before when people fought wars and they had swords, you know, a few people were going to die. When they had guns, a few more people were going to die. Now we have nuclear weapons, and you're kind of going, all right, at the depravity of man in the direction of this world, judgment will come at some point. And what will we do in the midst of that? And we can hear from God and we can listen to God and we can obey God or we can say, whatever, God, I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to do my own thing and I'm just going to kind of get mixed up here in this whole Sodom and Gomorrah deal or we can follow after him. Well, thankfully, Lot and his wife and his daughters listen and they run. He tries to tell his son-in-laws and they're like, ah, forget it. God's never, ah, it won't ever happen, you know. And if you go into Genesis chapter 19, it tells us what exactly happened and it says, by the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heavens. Now we don't know, biblical scholars say there was a volcano at the time or whether it was meteorites that came down, but whatever happened, this city was leveled. And thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But... Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. You're like, ah! Oh. She looked back at the old life. She wanted to be back there. That was her heartbeat instead of going forward in the Lord. And church, please, please, please don't look back. When God calls you to go forward, when God gives you a vision, when God entrusts you, you go forward in Christ. You go forward in faith. You hold on to him. Don't keep going back to your old life. Don't keep trying to live with part like in the world and out of the world. You live a life of faith. And that's what Abraham did. It says early the next morning, Abraham got up and he returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain. And he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Did you see that? He remembered Abraham and he delivered Abraham's nephew and his nephew's daughters. Your faith matters. Your obedience matters. Your prayers matter. Your prayers impact others. There is power in prayer. And so I just want, I, how, how are we praying? Are we praying boldly? Are we asking God to intervene? Are we praying for our family? Are we praying for the people around us? Are we praying for our workplace? Are we praying? Because there is power in prayer. You know, in 2003, when God called us to plant Rolling Hills, we had 15 people. And, 
And then God called us to say, hey, it's not about you, right? My character is about redemption. My character is about grace. And, and so we said, we need to do a mission trip. And God called us to go to this little country of Moldova. And right, I didn't even know where Moldova was. I had to look it up on a map. And God said, go, go there. And we took 18 people eight months later and went to Moldova. And I remember we, the first year, were working at this orphanage at Internat 2. And this is an orphanage camp in the summer. It was an old communist campground, but it's a, it's a campground for, for kids who have nowhere to go. A lot of the kids at the orphanage, they'll go to be with relatives, aunts, uncles, and grandparents during the summer while they do repairs on the orphanage. But these kids have no place. And we went to this campground and we saw, you know, 150 plus kids and, and it broke our heart. And we realized that God had revealed his plans for us. In James 1.27, it says, the kind of religion that God sees as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And we started meeting these kids and hearing their story and our hearts broke. And I'll never forget standing outside of that orphanage in some sunflower fields and praying over that orphanage with 18 people from Rolling Hills and praying, God, would you deliver this place? God, would you protect these children? God, would you stop the sex slave trade and these children are being exported? And God, it just breaks our heart and it's ugly, it's gross. God, it's not of you. Father, please, please, please. I want to tell you, I just got back from being in Moldova with, you know, we had three teams from our church and I, I love just serving there. And what was amazing to me was to watch as we went and did camps in some different orphanages and we worked with these precious kids here. You saw smiles and you saw hope and you saw laughter. And what was awesome is to see that guy, that cowboy hat, he was one of the kids that was in the orphanage in 2003. At eight years old, Ely, another kid, Dennis. And these kids, you watch them, they're growing up now and they have a hope and a future and they're now going back in the orphanages and telling these kids about Jesus. And by God's grace, now today, through you church and your faithful prayers and your giving and your going, your serving, and we started this nonprofit, Justice and Mercy International, and working in 11 different orphanages and 350 kids who are sponsored. And we have a, a big celebration now because we have transitional living homes. And these kids at 16, when they get kicked out of the orphanage and have no place to go, and they end up either trafficked or they end up in prison or they end up committing suicide because they don't have any hope. Now, you know what? They're going into transitional living and they're learning about Jesus. And they're hearing about a hope and a future. And they're learning English. And they're getting job skills. And now we have 12 full-time people living in Moldova. And a vocational director. And a psychologist. And a social worker. And they're taking care of these kids. And one of my favorite nights of the year is we have a big graduation now. And we see these kids start to graduate out of the program. And these kids who were scared to death are now graduating and walking with a cap and a gown and a diploma because you believed in them and you believed in a God who had a greater story that he was writing in this world and a greater story that he was going to do in these kids' lives. And they are forever changed. And it's the Lord, guys. And it's what God wants to do and God wants to use us. And we can get caught up in all the things of the world, but we need to start just saying, God, I want to be bold. And I want to do, Father, what you have called me to do. I want to invest in the least and the last and the lost because I know your heart is redemption. 
And I know judgment coming one day, Father, and I want all people to know you and to hear about you. I want people like Marcella, who's in our transitional living home. When she was four or five years old, all she remembers is her dad beating her and then leaving. She never saw him again, and her mom at six died of cancer. And her and her sister slept under a tree and for about three months until somebody in the village took them to the orphanage. And she said, I just laid there and wondered if anybody ever cared about me, if I mattered. And when she was 15 and had to leave the orphanage, by God's grace, she had a transitional living home to go to. And now this girl beams. She just lights up. She just knows Jesus and there's a confidence about her. And you're like, wow, praise be to God. And as you pray, there is power in prayer. And there is life change that will happen. And Abraham saw it. Will you? Will me? Will us? We never stop growing in faith. And we never stop believing in a God who could do more than we could dream. A God who wants to redeem. A God who wants to restore. So how's your prayer life? What prayers are you praying today that are bold? What prayers are you praying that only God can accomplish, not you? What prayers are you praying for your family? What prayers are you praying for orphans? What are you doing? The Bible says don't be just hearers of the word, be doers of the word. And for us to make a difference because God's made a difference in us. I'm gonna invite Jeff Berry to come back out and we're gonna have a time of response, guys. I want to invite you. Maybe, maybe you feel like, man, I've been far from God. You know what? Today may be a day of salvation for you. A, a day where you just say, Lord, I've been depending on myself. <laughs> we were at one of the camps and, and I was talking about it. I said, maybe today you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And this kid's hand went up and I was like, I'm not finished yet. I'm telling you. And he's like, no, no, I want that. I, I want that. I, I want him. I want to follow. I was like, yes, you do. I mean, it's just... And maybe you're here today and you're just like, man, there's something missing inside. You know what it is. It's Christ that's missing inside of you. And you've been trying to fill it with all kinds of things and all kinds of life experience and money and success. And, and you're saying, no, no, no. And God's saying, yes, yes, yes. I want to come in. And maybe you're here today and in your life, man, your prayers have been weak. Or they've been benign. And today God's saying, start to pray with boldness. Come before me. Petition the heart of a father who cares for you and watch me work. God has been faithful. God's been faithful to you. There, there's lungs that you have that are breathing today because God has a plan for you and God has a purpose for you. And there is a heart that is beating inside of you because God has a plan and a purpose for you. You hold on to him. In the midst of a world that changes, you hold on to him because he is sure and he is constant, and he is here. So Father God, we come before you, Lord Jesus, and you are our hope, and you are our foundation. And God, even when we don't understand what's going on around us, Father, we know that you will never change, and that your plan is redemption in our life and in the lives of so many. So God, invite us into a greater story and open our eyes, Father, to truth. And God, we commit today to live a life of faith and to hold on to you whatever comes 
we're going to hold on to you.